Welcome to the Solid Verbal. The Solid Verbal. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! I've heard so many players say, well, I want to be happy. You want to be happy for a day? Eat a steak. It's that woo-woo! And now, Dan and Ty. Welcome back to the Solid Verbal, boys and girls. My name is Ty Hildenbrandt. Joining me, as always, over there in Chicagoland, the heart of the Midwest, Dan Rubenstein. Sir, how are you? Whoa, look at that. I mean, I always think I have a good amount of juice in my tank, and I, I actually feel uh, a little more zazz, a little more tang, a little more pulp today, Ty. Yeah. But I don't know if I'm comparing to the milliliters you're bringing to the table today. Well, Dan, let me tell you a little story about what just happened a moment ago. <laughs> okay. Upon yelling, upon really getting into it, going for it here in this uh-huh. week four preview, I'm you sitting a little. Well, maybe, but I'm on one of those learning stools. You know what a learning mm-hmm. stool is that you put next to a standing desk? Sure. I damn near blew myself right back off the stool. <laughs> like the THX commercial. It I almost fell. blew you away. Yeah, I the, fell. The self, the THX. Okay. The headphones fell off. I had to scramble to get back up here and, and speak with you here to talk about week four. A lot of action to yes, get sir. through. Maybe more action than we expected when we... Did our preview show last Wednesday. Hello, welcome back in. Hope you enjoyed the weekend. We know from your reverbs that you were very, very emphatic and energetic (laughs) in talking about these games, and we'll play that for you momentarily. But if you are finding us for the first time or just one of many times, don't forget to subscribe to the show. You can do so by going on out to solidverbal.com. You could find all of the links there. We are also smattered across social media on Instagram on Twitter, on Facebook, and also on the tube of views at youtube.com slash the solid verbal. We do have a newsletter as well, which you could find on our website. We send it out every Friday during the season. And what am I forgetting, Dan? There's a subreddit at solidverbal.reddit.com. We got a lot of new listeners now at the start of, or one of the starts of this season in 2020. Yeah. And uh, just trying to give people a sense of how they can join the community here. we got a teeming community of reballers. It's great to join you again. Yeah, I'm excited to add some Big Ten friends, some Pac-12 friends, some Mac friends, some Mountain West friends to this very strange college football train. So it's it's all happening, Ty. And I got to say, before we get into the reverbs, I am so excited to thematically have something so specific to work with with this week. Because basically, when I am invited to give my TED Talk, and I have one of those little ear mics, I can say, my name is Dan Rubenstein. I am the high priest at the clergy of clunkers. (laughs) And roll tape, win those clunkers, and move forward. Here is week four of the 2020 season. So with that in mind, Ty, let's get to some raw emotion, perhaps. Let's get to raw emotion. Let's get to your reverbs. Have a listen. It's Sam from Nashville. And I think you can say that Oklahoma and Spencer have been rattled. Go Wildcats. Hi, this is Ray calling from Wolfville. Hi, Ty and Dan. This is Quinn from beautiful Eugene, Oregon. Hi, this is Kelly in Austin. Hi, this is Taylor from Atlanta, Georgia. Dan, Ty, this is Squishy again, this time in Rhode Island. Just finished watching uh, the Boston College Eagles take down Texas State in a nail-biter. All I'm going to say, we were looking ahead to Carolina, win your clunkers, jerky boys are back. There we go, baby, 2-0. and 
Uh, I gotta be honest. I don't think a team that throws four interceptions and gives up 37 points to Syracuse is gonna win any more games the rest of the season. So I'm watching the eighth wonder of the world known as Georgia Tech special teams, and I've gotta ask, if you kick a field goal into the back of your own lineman's helmet, does that count as a block? That's not rhetorical, I'm genuinely asking. Junior Solid here. I know you told me to call you if you ever are thinking about getting back together with TCU. And uh, I saw you guys together, and I just pawned to say, don't do it. Just run. Despite TCU's loss today, I'm still feeling optimistic that the Horned Frogs will 100% beat the University of Texas next week. Sam Ellinger? More like Sam taking an Ellinger, am I right? <laughs> Good one. Alan Bowman may be the British comedy legend, but he's no American football legend. And I nearly puked all over my wife. Go Horns! Dan always says you need to win your clunkers. Texas won their clunker. Hook them. Texas is back. More than an overtime thriller against a team that almost lost to Houston Baptist. As a Texas Tech fan, there's one game that I would trade for the rest of the season. And wouldn't you know, we were up by 15 with three minutes left. Just wanted to call in with the biggest beat ever. Bet a dollar on a parlay. Kansas State, Texas Tech, Mississippi State. One dollar, $627 in return. Texas Tech, up 15, lost the game. If this is Super Size Me Saturday, I need to go back to a kidding meal. Hey, Dan and Ty, this is Dan from Austin. My dad had a quintuple bypass heart surgery a couple weeks ago, and I think he's going to need another one soon. My Georgia Bulldogs took a hat to the thrust, but we put some Stetson Bennett sauce and a dash of defense in our crockpots and got things stricken. After 23 players out, two coaches, and our third-string quarterback, the Virginia Tech Hokies absolutely rolled the Wolfpack and will be running on next week to probably roll Duke. Go Hokies. So tell me why OU and Texas want to eat to the SEC. Go Pokes! I think the Oklahoma band lost the sheet music to Boomer Sooner, but I'll take it. Go Cats! Boomer loser, boomer loser, boomer loser. Okay, I think I can stop now. You get the point. Does Lincoln Riley have a Kansas State problem? What was your favorite Spencer Rattler interception? We got outdone by the Pirates. Adam, 40, Baton Rouge. Currently drinking my sixth of of Pecan Ale, which follows a considerable amount of tequila on the rocks, and I'm drowning in the Muddy Waters anthology while I come to terms that Coach O now has a 4-4 four and four career record versus Mississippi State. Mike Leach and the Air Raid and the SEC never work. Wait, what? The heavy-duty dude alert for Tristan Ebner. My boy caught a pass for a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. He returned a kickoff for a touchdown and returned a punt, drop kick. You called the safety kick for a touchdown. Is that getting the cycle in touchdowns? So my wife and I spent the day in Pittsburgh today just, you know, hanging out, walking around. And uh, it was really weird just to walk in front of Heinz Field and see the Jumbotron working in front of an actual game and go, huh, there's football in there. I can't get in there. But there's football in there. So I attended a college football game today, and life is good. Thanks. Stay solid. There you go, Dan. Yeah, raw emotion. Our boy <laughs> Ryan, who cuts him up, texted me earlier today asking if seven minutes was too long for reverbs. And 
Unfortunately, I think within the framework of what we do here, seven minutes would be a little long in the tooth, but uh, cut it down. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you to everyone who called in. We do our best to try and incorporate as many of those calls as possible. But, um, you know, these are the weeks, frankly, that I think gave us the idea to do reverbs way back when, however many years ago, because it, it, look, 2020 is weird year. No doubt Mm -hmm. about it. It feels good. No matter how you feel about the state of the world, it feels good to have football that you can tune into and watch on a Saturday. It does bring along some sense of normalcy, which I think is much needed. And, um, even if it's a little sloppy as it was in SEC country and Big 12 country and frankly, ACC country all around college football. Yeah. It's still fun to watch a game, to call in, to express how you're feeling. And, um, you know, in the case of some Florida State fans who called in, just bitch and moan about the state of affairs losing by 42 to a rival. But uh, thank you to everyone out there who participated in our fun. You want to start? I think we should start SEC because there was a debut. Uh, We've seen Big 12 football not against each other. We've seen ACC football. We've seen American football. I think we have to start down south. I think it's only fair. And if we're going to start down south, we have to start with the debut of one Michael Leach at Mississippi State. Um, So look, Mississippi State was a 17-point dog, I think, going into that game, if I remember correctly. We both hopped aboard Mississippi State. It wasn't a lock or anything like that, but the logic there was twofold. A, LSU lost a lot from a year ago, and it's tough to just step back into things and pick up where you left off. And and B, it has been a theme throughout the restart here amid the COVID era of teams looking sloppy in game number one, right? Now that goes both ways, right? And especially for... Mississippi State, in their case, learning a new system, getting a new quarterback, blah, blah, blah. But we just both felt that 17 might be a little bit too much here. And uh, <clears throat> it was, Dan, it was actually the wrong team that was the dog in this game. 44 to 34, Mississippi State goes on the road, a huge upset of number six LSU, the defending national champions. Daniel, it is hard Hard to imagine a better start to the Leach era in Starkville. 632 total yards for State. Yeah. 623 of them coming on the arm of KJ Costello, who had five touchdowns on the day, the Stanford transfer. Broke mm-hmm. the single game passing record in the SEC in his first game in the SEC, Dan. Yeah. So, what were your... When you watch the game, what the, the rhythms of this game, going back and forth, turnovers, sloppiness from both teams, excitement at times from both teams, what were, was, was your big takeaway just like, holy hell, KJ Costello, welcome back to major college football after being hurt, welcome to the SEC air raid in a good way. What, was there anything that you, that you look at as a deeper thing or is this just like, hey man, weird week one shootout, move forward? What did you think? There was, there was a little bit of weird week one shootout there. Yep. Um, it was not lost on me that Mississippi State won despite four turnovers. And correct. I guess outside of KJ Costello, who blew me away. I liked him at Stanford, but you know, to now, to now see him come over and have this kind of early success at Mississippi State's really exciting. But beyond yeah. that, I you know, I was really focused on the LSU offense and in particular Miles Brennan. The, the new starter because he's taking over for Joe Burrow and Joe Brady's gone. And it's like, what, 
what, what are we going to have here? We've been hearing about Miles Brennan for a while. If you look at the stat line, you're not going to get the full story because there were a lot of throws that he missed out there. Mm-hmm. I actually came away rather underwhelmed by Miles Brennan in game one, just game one. Game one. But if you're looking for a deeper thought, that that's probably the thing I go to first. Man, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, I've watched a lot of Mike Leach football in the Pac-12 North and the Pac-12 as a whole. There's sort of one guiding light to the defenses that have kind of figured out what to do against Mike Leach and Mike Leach quarterbacks and Mike Leach systems. And that's confuse the quarterbacks with weird coverages uh, and drop a bunch of guys into coverage that make the quarterback see ghosts. And Bo Pelini was making $2 million this year, by the way. I believe that's the number. Bo Pelini said, or you could just blitz a quarterback a ton with and leave a lot of open grass and leave corners on islands, especially without Derek Stingley because of health issues. He was hospitalized overnight. And so they, you know, Mississippi State started picking on, I think it was a Nichols transfer at corner. And I don't know. It just seems like that was maybe Bo Pelini was too proud to do something new against. I. It was <laughs> it was very strange to watch. But at the same time, LSU turned Mississippi State over a ton. The defense didn't do well against the pass, but they when you're giving up yardage, at least generate turnovers. And that's what LSU was able to do. But Mississippi State was able to confuse Miles Brennan enough. I came away think, thinking, did did Ed Orgeron make calls? Like, could we FOIA Ed Orgeron uh, <laughs> for what he did during the offseason? Was he actively trying to find another grad transfer quarterback? I Just because you watch Miles Brennan, you say... I, I think he's a, a pretty good backup quarterback, but if you have designs like LSU has, it's furiously trying to find the next Joe Burrow because whatever it is that LSU has been doing lately has not been, by and large, developing quarterbacks. And I, I really hope that last year was not a once-in-a-blue-moon type situation for LSU. But Miles Brennan, right now, he just he looked hesitant. He looked like he was making the wrong reads. He looked like... He just, he was, if Joe Burrow was always a step ahead, Miles Brennan looks a step behind. And you just need somebody who's right around the correct step. Um, as for Mississippi State, holy hell. Yeah. This is going to be a fun year, no matter what happens. Maybe they go, you know, six and four, whatever, and they just win shootouts, lose shootouts. I think the defense should be okay. But damn, if that's not a fun offense to watch, uh, Going, you know, going to Baton Rouge. Going, I mean, I know LSU was starting a whole bunch of new dudes everywhere on the field, basically. But to go in and do that, to put up like a third of a mile yeah, <laughs> of passing yards, incredible, crazy, entertaining. I just, I can't, I can't believe LSU didn't look at like what Jimmy Lake did every year against Wazoo <laughs> and say, let's figure out our own version of this defense that always works because Mike Leach is too proud to run the ball. Let's figure it out. And it just, it was, seemed completely ignored. And I am a far stupider defensive mind than Bo Pelini. But that, that was my first impression, which is like, what do you, this is, this is abs- everything you should not be doing against a Mike Leach offense. Weird. Yeah. And to be fair, Miles Brennan's first start. So Miles Brennan's first start has room for improvement. For sure. Uh, situationally, I, I think needs to be more confident in what he sees. All right. Moving on in the SEC, let's talk about Auburn and Kentucky. This is a game that we also zeroed in on. We both like Kentucky because of the lines, because of the returning production. Auburn was in a position where they were replacing a lot along their own offensive line. 
I I pretty much watched most of this game because I was super interested going in. Kentucky is just really kind of a fascination to me this year. And this game was sort of all over the map. You had a little bit of everything here. Three things that you can say for sure about the game, though. Both defenses are really good. Yeah, really nice adjustments from Auburn in, in particular. Both defenses really good. Auburn did make good adjustments. Kentucky definitely shot itself in the foot like four times minimum in this football game. They had oh, chances. Yeah. They did not convert. And the the final thing would just be that, you know, for as rocky as the Auburn offense may have been early, it did rise to the moment late. And that's what enabled yeah. them to pull away. We talk a lot about Bo Nix. Bo Nix didn't make a big mistake here. Bo Nix was a pretty able-bodied uh, shepherd of this offense, let's say, in this football game. 29-13 to 13 was your final score. It was close for a while. Uh, Auburn got an early two-point conversion, which kind of made a wonky score. But 29-13, to 13, your final. A lot of weird plays in this game, too. We had... Auburn with a 100-yard interception return that was called back due to a targeting. This was one play after it looked like I thought a Kentucky running back might have scored, but they ruled him down right. with the one. So just a bunch of weird stuff in this game as Auburn comes away the victor. Now they're going to move on 1-0. Yeah, for the first two or three quarters, the Kentucky offense looked pretty good. They weren't always finishing, but situationally, they were pretty good on third down. Um, they were accurate enough. It was the turnovers. It was the lack of, and this is, I think, a credit to Auburn's defense at times, but Kentucky's not able to stretch the field with no. their passing game. They no. just, they don't have the receivers, and they have pretty good receivers. I don't think they have a, a top half of the SEC quarterback in Terry Wilson, as fun as he can be, but, you know, the turnovers are killer, and Auburn, by the end of the game, you're just like, okay, Auburn just, the the number of dudes Auburn has, especially out wide, was it Seth Williams, Eli Stove, and Anthony Schwartz? They just, when plays are needed, Auburn has more playmakers. And so that, it was a, it was a bit of a clunker offensively for Auburn for a large chunk of this game. I think it was, what, 15-13 heading into the fourth quarter. But, you know, it's... Finish strong and finish one and zero, and that's what Auburn was able to do. A lot of new faces on both sides of the uh, both sides of the line for Auburn. The offensive line looked at times a mess against a pretty experienced Kentucky front, which is to be expected. But I mean, I am again the the high priest at the church of Winyer Clunkers, and Auburn did just that. Auburn is one and zero. Looking at their schedule now, moving forward, they're on the road at Georgia next week, which is a good segue into our next recap here. This was a strange game, or at least a strange half for the Georgia Bulldogs. They end up winning 37 to 10, but Arkansas led seven to five at half. And if you are one with the Twitter sphere, all you had to do was take a quick look at what folks were saying about that first half. It was like, oh my God, Georgia looks awful. They're dreadful. They're terrible. Here's the deal. JT Daniels still has not been medically cleared to play. So it was freshman Dewan Mathis who got his first start at quarterback. And he's a big kid. He got a big arm. He could end up being really good, but there were just a lot of mistakes in the yeah. first half on offense. I'm not going to put it all on him. Uh, a lot of penalties. He couldn't overcome that and give Georgia the pop it needed. So enter, I should say re-enter Stetson Bennett. Committed to Georgia originally, at one point, I think transferred to a junior college. 
He comes back. He backed up Jake Fromm last year. They weren't really expecting to see much of him on the field this season, but Kirby puts him in there. He gives them what they need, Dan. He goes 20 to 29 passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions, most importantly. He came in in the second quarter, immediately led Georgia on a field goal drive, and then three consecutive third quarter touchdown drives as well. Ultimately, they pull away. Got a little bit of a front door cover here, (laughs) which was nice if you went Georgia minus 24 and a half, but it does look like they got a lot of work to do on offense. They're underwhelming at running back along the line. It seems like... The, the line and running back in particular, those two units seem like they were really out of sync. So if Georgia wants to contend, we know this is going to be a focal point to some degree of that offense. They, ne- they need to get that figured out in short order. But, um, you know, when you're clunkers, when you're first half clunkers, Dan, and yep. uh, Georgia's want to know. It just seems that, that we, we're just always going to be talking about the Georgia quarterback room. And, you know, I know they anticipated having Jamie Newman or JT Daniels and Daniels wasn't cleared, obviously. And going back to the Jakes and Fromm and Eason and Justin Fields. And for whatever reason, they just can't figure out what to do consistently at quarterback. And Stetson Bennett was the answer yesterday. He was fine. He was efficient. He didn't make mistakes. He led them on scoring drives. Um, But I guess Dewan Mathis probably showed more in practice to make Georgia think that he was the dude. And so the combination of a fully new quarterback situation, a fully new coordinator. Some teams are going to be okay, Mississippi State, in that situation. If the offense is simple and there's talent at quarterback, other teams are going to take a minute. And Georgia, I think, scared the bejesus out of anybody who gave those points. But ultimately, they were able to pull away, largely because the defense stayed focused, stayed locked in, was able to generate right. points themselves. And Georgia lives to to continue on their, their hopeful path for a, a high-level season. I just don't know what that ceiling looks like if they have to depend on Stetson Bennett all year long. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, I think they expected that they'd have JT Daniels back, if not this week, maybe next. And... um you know, who knows? I mean, like I said, it wasn't all in the quarterback position either, right? There's some inexperience totally. there, but they got to get the running game sorted out. They got to get that line sorted out. They got to get the receivers sorted out. There were receiver penalties. And look, it was a week one. Week clunker. one, game one. Yeah. Week one, game one. Elsewhere, Alabama 38, Mizzou 19. No surprise here. Nick Saban has never lost a season opener at Alabama. He wasn't going to do it yesterday against Mizzou. Alabama's now won 92 straight, Dan. Can you believe it? Against unranked opponents and good I can games. It. Yeah, good games for all the names that you know on Alabama. Mac Jones, Najee Harris, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith on defense, Dylan Moses, Patrick Sertan II. I'm not going to sit here and list off names. They won 38 to 19. They had very good control of this game the full way through and they eased off the gas late. Yeah, we like to use the term, if you took a long pee and maybe <laughs> sautéed some onions, it was 21 nothing by the time That's you got a night, to by the, the way. Long yeah. pee, sauté the onions, right. So long pee and sauté some onions. That's a, that's a nice little night. But this is, I think it points to the fact that Alabama, returning offensive coordinator, returning quarterback, albeit not the all-year starting one last year, but Mac Jones had plenty of seasoning and did a good job depending on super talented receivers uh, maybe held on to the ball a bit too long at times, but that's nitpicking because Alabama can afford to do a lot of that. The line in oh, front yeah. of Mac Jones looks to be very good. The defense looked to be back at a level, and granted, it's just Mizzou, but 
you want to see it in week one for sure. Defense looks to be back at an exciting level. And Mizzou is fine. They, they weren't able to get into the end zone. I mean, they're just outclassed in year one of Eli Drinkwitz against a team like Alabama. They're, they score a bit late to make the score kind of misrepresentative of the actual game. But Sean Robinson was accurate. And it, there seemed to be at least some fight from Mizzou in game one, which I'm encouraged by. We'll see. It's going to take a little bit of time. But, you know, I, I'm hoping for a deeper SEC. Dan, Alabama next week is against Texas A&M. Uh, when you're clockers. <laughs> this is the kind of game you get when you're conducting practice over Zoom. <laughs> it is. This, is. this is what you get if you're Texas A&M. Texas A&M did win. 17 to 12, yuck, against Vanderbilt. Ton of mistakes for the Aggies. Lost three fumbles, had eight penalties. The only bright spots, I guess, on the offense for AM were their running backs, Aeneas Smith and Isaiah Spiller. Spiller, in particular, he had a big game. He came over from wide receiver to give them more depth before the start of the year. Eight carries, 117 yards. My guess is that we're going to see a lot more out of him as the season progresses against some of the better competition in the SEC. But this is certainly not a team in week one that is going to be in any game shape to handle Alabama in week two. Like this is, I know a lot changes between game one and game two, but the Delta there is probably far too great to get anywhere close to where Bama played in week number one here, week four, if you will. Yeah. I mean, Kellen Mond traditionally has played very well against Alabama. He rises to occasions and comes down to lesser occasions. And so the problem for me is I like the running backs. Uh, I, it's just the seasoning and experience and dependability of the receivers. Like we've talked about what's needed against Alabama and we have seen it from A&M against teams like Alabama and Clemson these past couple of years. I, I hope that we see more pop. I hope that we see a more disciplined A&M team. You mentioned the turnovers. You mentioned, I think there was fumbles um, and the, uh, the, the penalties, but you can't beat yourself against Alabama. No. So I'm I'm more worried than I, I think I originally was, but I am open to the possibility that it was a look-ahead moment, not taking Vanderbilt seriously, because why would you, given recent door history? And, you know, realizing, getting a wake-up call, getting that splash of water in the face, that there's work to be done in, I don't know, six days? <laughs> yeah, you know, not there's a lot that. of not a lot of week one look ahead spots, but if it's yeah. going to happen, this would be the this would be the moment. True freshman quarterback in there for Vanderbilt. It was okay. He was accurate enough. Didn't go downfield against A and M. So I guess the encouraging part is the A and M defense at times was nice to watch. That's something. A lot of question marks at the ends of your sentences there, which I think I know. Is I'm fitting. going up a couple octaves. Eh, it's something. Let's talk about Florida. Yeah. Oh, see, now we're happy. Now we're getting to a good place. I know not for Ole Miss, but now we're we're. This is positive football tie. Hey, even for Ole Miss, Ole Miss didn't look bad. I I took a ton of positives away from Ole Miss. Florida wins 51-35. This is a lot of fun to watch. Both teams look better than I expected, frankly. Even though Florida started pulling away relatively early, um, y- you know, Ole Miss was capable, Dan. Matt Corral was their starter. Lane Kiffin making his debut. I thought Corral was pretty tell you. sharp. Yeah, 395 You're on the John yards. Reese Plumley train. I had, to, I had to divert you. John Reese who? Never heard of him. <laughs> this is a good effort from Corral against a good defense, a big boy effort for Elijah Moore out wide. 10 for 227 for Ole Miss. But ultimately, 
ultimately it was a story of Kyle Trask. 416 passing yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, eight catches, 170 yards, and four of those touchdowns to star tight end Kyle Pitts. Daniel, we are going to need to workshop something for this Kyle to Kyle connection. It is going to continue all year. This is what I spent all my time thinking up last night over a few adult libations. Do you have a, a leader in the clubhouse? I have two. Okay. How I'm, do you I'm feel? I'm sitting here with my arms crossed, excited. How do you feel about just referring to them kind of singularly as the Kyle driver? I, I think that's, I mean, I think that's very solid, Ty. We could go that's, Kyle driver. driving, yeah. Or how do you feel about K-pop? Like Florida was losing oh. until Dan Mullen introduced a little K-pop. K2K, K-pop. I like both of those. The best I could come up with was Gator Kyland because right. know, an island of Kyle's and Kyle and um, K-pop does way better for us SEO wise. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be real with you. Yeah. I mean, compared to K2, which was sort of my other boring option. K2 is not bad. Yeah, but we're not going to get that SEO boost. Is that the second tallest mountain in the world? Second highest mountain in the world after Everest, yeah. I like the use of the full Kyle instead of K-pop. Because you could Kyle to Kevin, Kyle to Carl. Like, there are different possibilities with K, but if you're really leaning into the Kyle element, it would be really fun to have people tweeting at us or messaging us, Kyle driver exclamation anytime they connect for a big play. That is a good point about the K-pop. Maybe we could use that a little bit more broadly when talking about guys like Kadarius Tony. That's true. It's the full offense of K's. The K-pop. Right. Keon Zipperer had a catch yesterday. Great name. Great name. All right. Okay. Well, we're going to keep workshopping this. I think it's on Kadarius Tony. If he is, I don't know if you saw that. He had like a 50-yard run yesterday where it looked like he was down and he was stumbling and then suddenly started running. You don't see a lot of the stumble transition into the run. <laughs> and Kadarius <laughs> Tony's balance is ridiculous. So if Kadarius Tony holds up his end of things and we're getting pop in the passing, catching, and running games for Florida, then I say K-pop. Florida Kyle wins driver specifically yeah. and looks, I thought, really impressive in doing so. Next week, they square off against South Carolina, the last SEC game here that we're going to talk about before moving on to that debacle in Norman. <laughs> Tennessee wins the nightcap 31 to 27. Uh, I am going to send an edible arrangement over to Will Muschamp for, you know, doing the <laughs> smart thing, kicking a field goal with three minutes left when he's down seven. Yeah, that's what you got to do. Take those points. Always take the points and take away a chance to be aggressive. Edible Arrangements, not a sponsor. No. Um, to his credit. Okay. I mean, I suggested we send Rice Krispies treats to Florida State players. It's just like, you know, thanks for playing. <laughs> thanks for putting in a little bit of effort. Here's some Rice Krispies treats. So, you know, Edible Arrangements work too for, for Will Muschamp. To be fair, South Carolina could have gotten the ball back. They did force a punt, but they got unlucky because the the punt bounced off a South Carolina player. Tennessee jumped on it, and that was that was the game here. I on the South Carolina side, Colin Hill won the starting job after transferring over from Colorado State. And it, you know, I'm sure you saw the story if you watched the game, but tore his ACL three times. Oh, three man. times he's finally getting a start. 
and good for him. He forged an early connection with Shy Smith, which will be a recurring theme all season long. But correct, you know, inconsistent on offense. They need to get better. Probably not going to happen in time next week for Florida, but they are trying to change that offensive system. And I thought Colin Hill looked pretty good to his credit. So South Carolina put itself in position to win this game. They did. They did. And they did. Tennessee put themselves in position. I mean, they made plays, but situationally, Tennessee, I think, were they one of 12, one of 13 on third downs? One of 11, I believe. Okay, somewhere in there. So truly heinous on third downs to keep drives going. And that's not a recipe to even compete in the SEC East. But again, Ty, what do you do? Got to win your clunkers, High Priest. Got to win your clunkers. And I know you were not thrilled watching Jarrett Garantano as an option to keep Tennessee competitive against some of the better teams on their schedule. I thought he was okay. He Uh. did make plays late in the game. Look, I am, I'm not thrilled if I'm a Tennessee fan (laughs) in terms of thinking I'm going to hang with Florida, Georgia and Alabama on the, the, you know, usefulness of his arm. But Uh. I Ty, you've watched some disaster quarterbacks and you watched him yesterday here. Here's what he's not a disaster. Here's what gave me a case of the giggles. All right. Okay. They asked Jeremy Pruitt after the game what he thought of Garantano's performance. And he just said inconsistent. And I just kept thinking, my dude, that is the center square on the Garantano bingo card. Yeah, it is. That has been his calling card. And what's most important here is that he didn't throw any picks. And he did mm-hmm. make some nice throws, but you just you have to temper that with the missed opportunities that were out there. There were the throws that he missed, the mistakes that he did make. I know he talked a little bit in his postgame presser about throwing off his back foot a little too much. It just it does not feel like he if he improves, it is just marginally from year to year. It's still the same guy that we've seen the last couple of seasons. Ty Chandler and Eric Gray were impressive in moments, especially late. Nice playmakers. Uh, Josh Palmer, also really interesting at receiver. But yeah, everything needs to be put together for Tennessee pretty quickly, I think. Dan, let's talk about Big 12 action. Let's talk about K-State. <laughs> 38. Oklahoma, 35. Man, what a ride, huh? What a ride it's been for K-State in the early going Yeah, and here. technically for Oklahoma, it's just a different kind of ride. Man, so K-State loses to Arkansas State in the opener. Then they have a bunch of COVID cases to deal with. Chris Kleiman didn't know until Friday, literally, if he's going to have enough guys to field the team. So naturally, they go to Norman. They mount a 21-point comeback. They knock off Oklahoma for the second year in a row on a 50-yard field goal with four and a half left that gave them the lead. And I know we're watching this going back and forth. We're texting, watching this football game. At one point, you send me, holy cow, like, what is what is going on with this game? Oklahoma looks so good, Dan. So yeah. good in the first half. They didn't punt until, I don't know, it might have been like the fourth quarter. And then it just fell apart. They they hit a wall on offense. Spencer Rattler was rattled. Just four of 12 oh. in the fourth quarter. And, like, the defense stopped as well. They reverted back to their pre-Grinch form. K-State's ripping off big plays like what what happened in between like the middle of the third quarter and the start of the fourth that all of this went south. Uh, Oklahoma has a Skylar Thompson problem is what happened. I guess <laughs> they have a, a deuce Vaughn thrice Vaughn tie. Yes. Yeah. No? I, I'm with you. 
five five freshman had a big gives game. you a little extra so he's not just deuce he's thrice although yeah. it's twice and thrice but i still regardless um i so we we saw spencer rattler look really impressive physically against missouri state and out came the like He's a 44 long, Canton. Like, it was a lot of coronation of Spencer Rattler's, like, the next great. And he might may as well be. But w- something we talked about going into this game was, let's see what he looks like against Power 5 competition. <laughs> let's see what he looks like against players that are on a similar talent plane. And for a good chunk of this game, half, I guess, he looked ready for the challenge. Uh, a surprise to me, Oklahoma's offensive line has been a just 100% strength these past few years. Looked lost. Looked lost, lost against Kansas State. Um, I know Wyatt Hubert sort of had an up and down game. He's sort of a Big 12 all-conference uh, all caliber. And there was a guy named Duke who was really impressive for Kansas State up front, just getting a lot of pressure, a lot of push. And Oklahoma's defense, it's just, it's the same story of yeah. coverage busts and breakdowns and Kansas State generating chunk plays and Skylar Thompson coming through in huge moments. And very strange to see Kansas State, who were, they were down players against Arkansas State for sure, down players against Oklahoma. This season is going to be nothing if not a referendum on who has the best depth because there are just going to be guys missing week to week. That's just the reality of the world we live in. And I thought it for sure, especially as when they go down 28-7 in the third quarter, I just thought, okay, Kansas State gave it some effort and they just, they don't have the twos and threes to run with Oklahoma. And then a true freshman in Deuce Vaughn is just a crazy all-purpose weapon and how much of a joy is it by the way to see a little guy dominating in the open oh, field once again for he's Kansas the, State by the way he's he's like the new little tank following yeah, the Darren footsteps Sproles. of Darren Sproles yeah and it, you know this it's the obvious comparison we'll see if he has I mean Darren Sproles is a full-on legend that's a high high comparison but just from what we saw that's you know what it brings to mind physically so I and just how long was that field goal? You said 50, 50. some odd yards, yeah, 50, 50 yards. And the announcer who was calling it said it would have been good from 65 that it had a lot of juice on it. I think it was, was it a Gus game. I think it was it a was Gus a Gus game. game. Yeah. Um, great fantasy thing. How far a kick would have been good from yeah. <laughs> an announcer guessing I would have been good from 80. Well, and the other one um, in this game is uh, the quarterback who can, quote, really spin it. That's another one that we've oh, missed. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Skylar Thompson just. I don't know what the difference is at this point. I see a lot of similarities between him and Sam Ellinger, except I guess Sam Ellinger has a better TV deal. <laughs> but there's, you know, they're just that the willing at their best, willing their team to a win. Damn, Skylar Thompson. Great to great to watch. Great story for Kansas State. I think nobody was more surprised than Kansas State fans, frankly, <laughs> that they were able to pull this game out. So. We got calls about that. Yeah. No. Yeah. It, and, you know, what? what's interesting to me is just a couple weeks ago, like you said, the the coronation of mm-hmm. Spencer Rattler, who's going to be really good. He's going to be really good. He's still young, which is why I think yeah, we yeah. saw no, the he's... performance that we saw. But he's still really young. He still had a pretty good performance, save for later in the game when it kind of fell apart. But it, at least within the context of our show, we go from, I think, the solid snake audio drop that we played after his just <laughs> incredible week one performance to now this awkward spot where Spencer Rattler could essentially be the snake in his own toilet. Whoa, Ty, that is scary. That is very scary and possibly dirty. I'm not terrified 
of Oklahoma's season. I don't know if it was a look ahead to the rest of their schedule and, you know, seeing that Kansas State's down a bunch of players, seeing Kansas State lost to uh, Arkansas State early on. But looking forward right now, the next couple weeks for Oklahoma are Ames, which looks a little more dangerous after Iowa State was able to eke out the win against TCU. And they get Texas and Dallas. So, I don't know. TCU should be feisty. Texas Tech looks like they have a, a pretty dangerous offense. It's, I think there's going to be more on edge moments for Oklahoma fans than perhaps they anticipated two days ago. You mentioned Texas. Um, Texas had a bit of a scare. This was a fun game. They went to Lubbock. They win in overtime, 63 to 56. I don't think this game was on TV anywhere east of the Mississippi. I could, I, it wasn't on cable. I couldn't find a legal stream. I couldn't find an illegal stream. I did catch up with the YouTube highlights later on, but really wanted to Wait, watch am this. I, I don't know where I am right now. Am I east of the Mississippi? I think you may. Yes, you're still east of the Mississippi. Okay. I, it was on the Fox Sports app. That's how I watched this game. I okay. don't know what TV network, if it was on like Fox Sports to go for, but it was on the app. I couldn't find it. I looked everywhere. Okay. Regardless, this was like one of your, I don't know if you gave a lock on the last show, but if there were. Oh, I think I loved Texas big here. You love Texas minus Mm -hmm. the 17 or 18. So walk me through this. What, what exactly transpired? Um, TJ Vasher transpired kashan carter transpired uh british comedy legend alan bowman he wasn't going downfield a ton but they threw it a ton it was a lot of short stuff it was a lot of rpos and it was sam ellinger willing his team back they were down 15 with two minutes left they got an onside kick that that bounced texas's way i guess it bounced off of a texas tech player but it was i don't when you're clunkers of course but I, I I overreacted to who did they play UTEP in their first game Texas against UTEP in thinking that the offensive and defensive issues have been solved. The interesting thing to me about Texas is I like Josh Moore out wide, but in trying to replace Colin Johnson and Devin Duvernay as legitimate weapons out wide, Texas hasn't fully developed those dudes in Sam Ellinger's senior year, and so they're leaning on Keontae Ingram in the run game, who's very, very good, even though you doubted my including Keontae Ingram among the nation's best running backs in the offseason. And just there's no problem for other teams on the outside for Texas right now over four quarters. Maybe some guy develops, but that to me seems like the issue, that if Texas is going to rely on nickel and diming teams all year long, they're going to lose to somebody they shouldn't because they basically should have against a Texas Tech team yesterday. Yeah, this wasn't uh, the kind of performance I think we expected, to say the least. And that being said, it was good to see British comedy legend Alan Bowman out there slinging it. He's another spinning one. Spinning the ball. Another one who can really spin it, Dan. And can really spin it, yeah. Had a good a game. Of, I mean, just a lot of quick hitters. A lot of quick hitters, but got the job done. Good to see him healthy out there. Um, they had a legit shot here to knock off Texas. Texas now moves on, still undefeated, of course, but um, you know, maybe a little worse for the wear after this sort of defensive showing. 
Oh, I mean, just you're up 15 with two minutes left. It's you're in a good spot. You just got to you got to catch a. It was actually a, a hell of an onside kick. It really it was. was. It was spinning like crazy. But uh, all right. Frustrating. I'm positive if you're a if you're a Red Raider. Iowa State 37 TCU 34. Did you see yeah, the play featuring again? the greatest Brock Purdy fumble of all time? Did you see the play? <laughs> I, I don't it's a, it's if you're even an Iowa State fan it's obviously easier because you won the game by a field goal but you have to be thrilled with it this was you so... have to be thrilled with a uniquely awful play you just throw up your hands and be like that's ridiculous this Great. was so bad this was Gus Farratt throwing at lefty levels of bad mm-hmm. this was it was so bad it was an interception that was technically a fumble so what happens go online and and look at the highlights if you haven't <laughs> seen them yet but Kendrick Van Zant, not the same guy in the E Street Band, I promise you, comes on a safety blitz. He hits Brock Purdy. He doesn't get the sack, but he, he takes enough out of him that a teammate comes and does the job. As Purdy is being spun to the ground, he decides he's going to try and throw it away. But he's oriented towards the sideline and kind of like in a backwards pass fashion, just chucks it, heaves it up. It lands in the hands of Van Zant, who was just getting up mm-hmm. after attempting the sack in the first place. It's a walk-in touchdown for him. Walk-in touchdown. TCU gets the score, gets the seven points. Um, Iowa State does win the game, though. 37-2-34. I didn't see much of this game, so I'm not going to act like I have any firsthand knowledge of it. Did you have mm-hmm. a chance to really dissect what went down here? Uh, I watched some of this game. I was impressed by Brees Hall. Obviously, he has home run ability. Brock Purdy, outside of that play, was accurate. He doesn't have, I don't think, a killer on the outside like he's had. That's something we talked about after Iowa State's first game, that that's mandatory, it seems, for a team like Iowa State to just detract or distract defenses and bring attention elsewhere, a gravitational-type player. I don't think they have. It was nice to see Charlie Kohler at tight end come back. He had been beat up. He was Who? cleared, and he played, and he caught a few balls. Charlie Kohler, your Who? guy? No, no, no. What's his name? I'm oh, sorry. Chuck? Chuck Kohler? No, no, Chuck, I'm sorry. Chuckles? I'm still waiting. Chaz Chaz Kohler? Oh, my you. God. You're making this very difficult. There's so many new, new names to remember. Um, but... Yeah, Iowa State's able to close it out. I thought TCU perhaps went with Matt Downing a bit too long. He was fine. They just weren't finishing drives in the first half with him. Max Duggan looked a lot better against the Iowa State defense. And I think TCU is not, they're not terribly far away. They're just still, they're giving up too many big plays on defense. You know, we saw the right. Brees Hall run, but it, they just, it's it's tackling the open field. It's communication. It's understanding where plays are going. And they're not there yet. But really nice to see Max Duggan, given the health issues, bounce back and look really sharp in that second half in a losing effort. In a losing effort. Do, 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 do. Three touchdowns, 16 of 19 for 241. Did have the pick. But like you said, good to see him out there. And a good game for Brees Hall. I know you mentioned him sort of in passing, but mm-hmm. 155. Three touchdowns on the day, a really nice 75-yard run mixed in there as well. Yep. So um, good for Iowa State to get off the schneid. I think there's a lot here to like if you're a TCU fan, just got to get over that hump. Iowa State's a good team. All right. TCU has kind of a next five possible bangers only, by the way. At Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, at Baylor, Texas Tech. Wow. 
if you're trying to watch a team, and I know we, I think we got an email from our friend Sam, a longtime TCU fan, who's like, what do I even do at this point? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Um, TCU is going to be playing one of the more watchable schedules these next five weeks. So if you're looking for just interesting TV, it seems like TCU might be a follow, especially when you have a big froggy heart like yourself, Ty. Big froggy heart. I like that. Yeah. Final yeah. two games here to discuss in the Big 12 before we go ACC and beyond. Oklahoma State wins by two touchdowns over West Winter Virginia. And we have Baylor 47 to 14 over Kansas. Anything jump out at you in, in either of these games? I the, the one thing that I'll just add quick, Spencer Sanders didn't play. So it was Shane Illingworth who got the start here. Right. And West Virginia crept back into it. They pulled within one score with about nine minutes left, but Chubba Purdy iced it. Just was unimpressive, uh, I guess, for the second straight week for Oklahoma State. It's just, it's so hard to gauge where the team is at. The defense is playing well, right? But the offense, it's it's tough to just figure out where they're at here because they don't have Spencer Sanders. Can we point out that West Virginia has a running back named Letty Brown and Oklahoma State has one named L.D. Brown? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's the the most obvious thing to look at um, if you're looking at the running back, running backs <laughs> and running games in this game. Um, the West Virginia run game is, I mean, that's something we talked about before the season. I scrubbed through this game this morning. West Virginia can run the ball. They need to protect Jarrett Dakey better, but they can run the ball. The offensive line is clear in the way. Shane Illingworth, as you mentioned, got the start and wasn't special, but we've seen special moments from him. I, I just came away really impressed from watching the Oklahoma State defense and down game for Chuba Hubbard with the yeah. fumbles. It, it was just not his day. So good for LD Brown. Had the nice Thurman Thomas celebration in the end zone after a touchdown, after his long touchdown run, excuse me. Nice day for Tylen Wallace. And it, it, I mean, West Virginia pulled this into a touchdown game late. They didn't score a touchdown in the second half, but Oklahoma State gets the nice run from uh Chuba Hubbard to uh to to get them to two and oh so great. Have we considered the just mathematical odds of having a Chuba Hubbard playing in the same year as potentially a Chuba Purdy? Chuba Purdy is Chuba's not his given name. I don't know if that's the case with Chuba. I believe Chuba's his name, uh Chuba Hubbard. So Chuba's real name, I believe is Ira. No, I have no idea. It, but I know Chubba's a nickname because he was a huge baby. Just saying. What are the odds? Okay. Uh, Baylor, Kansas. I don't have big thoughts. It was the premiere of the Larry Fedora offense for Baylor. And uh, it it got going pretty quickly. And I think it was sort of a nice balanced effort. Charlie Brewer wasn't crazy who? Wait, impressive. Wait, wait, who? I'm sorry. Oh, you... Excuse me, Chaz Brewer. Thank you. You you just, you, you're a freak of the week, Ty. Um no, good, good for Baylor. I didn't watch any of this game. So uh, scrub through some highlights and curious to see what they look like against better competition. Let's move over to the ACC America's Championship Conference, Dan, as many know it by um, Pitt 23, Louisville 20. Yeah. The line here was Pitt minus three. It felt a little weird. Turns out it was right on. More was importantly, perfect. there was a cacophony of Pitt voices that reached out to us this week. About yeah, the official true. shade of blue in that Panther uniform. I just need to get it on the record. We meant no disrespect to royal blue when we referred to it as baby blue. Whatever mm -hmm. shade of blue it is, it's beautiful. 
And it just sucks that they didn't use it yesterday. Yeah. And instead went with their Steel City Alternative Uni, which was a little gray. I liked it. It was it was good Fine. enough. In any case, it got the job done. The defense looked mean. It was mean. It got the job done here against a really good offense. So good. So good holding Louisville down to 223 in total yardage. Holding Malik Cunningham to 9 of 21 passing for only 107 yards and three picks. Yep. Seven sacks in the game. Cunningham actually got carted off in the fourth quarter, which is kind of scary. I, yeah. I haven't seen what's wrong. I hope he's okay. But yeah. the story here, above all, is that pit defense. It's going to be a real problem for every team on that schedule. And I believe I saw this as Pitt's best ACC start, just start in general in quite some time. So... If you are a Panthers fan, and we do have a disproportionate number of Pitt fans who listen to this show, mm-hmm. you got to be pretty excited about what you're seeing. That when you've got a defense that good, it really is a high floor, especially in the ACC. Yeah, I mean, with Lafayette not playing the season, they become Pennsylvania's one true college football team. So good to see. <laughs> uh, yeah, they just need an offense. They just need an offense. They. We're able to run the ball a couple of years ago, two, three years ago, and that was great and that paced things. And they have, I mean, the ACC is very quietly defensively between Pitt, Clemson, Miami, Notre Dame. I don't know if I'm leaving teams out. I guess you know, we'll see with Virginia Tech, but a really nice group of defenses at the top of the conference. Even Syracuse improving like they have that they helped to lead the way to a win for the Orange yesterday. But excited to see what the conference as a whole can do defensively because man what Pitt did to Malik Cunningham he missed a couple throws he had two to Atwell kind of open a couple times that he just flat out missed um Javian Hawkins still remains a joy to watch he had a long touchdown run but other than that Pitt did an amazing job in that second half just vaporizing silencing what yeah at least we still perceive to be an exciting Louisville offense so when when Pitt has a defense like they have in the past and like they do this year, the bar for the offense to clear is not particularly high, but they just can't make mistakes. That's Enough. the thing. Pitt cannot give away games on offense. They can not lose them, but all of a sudden, and they were good on third down against Louisville. They, they were fine, but man, the margin for error becomes kind of crazy for this Pitt offense because the defense is just going to win them a ton of games. Here's what's interesting about Pitt's remaining schedule. So they're through three games. They've won against Austin P, Syracuse, and Louisville. They've got NC State and Boston College next up in the next two weeks. Based on what we've seen out of this defense alone, they should win those games. I'm not concerned. But then you yeah. want to talk about second half bangers only. Here's the remaining schedule for Pitt. At Miami, Notre Dame, at Florida State, at Georgia Tech, okay, whatever. But close out the year of Virginia Tech and Clemson at Clemson. So they're going to have their chance to prove it against the better teams in the ACC, but probably not before going 5-0. and And that Miami game is an interesting case as well because the Canes, who we're going to talk about next, they play Pitt the week after they're on the road at Clemson. So who knows mm-hmm. what kind of a situation we've got there situationally for Miami coming off of that game, which I think we would still both agree Clemson's the better team, but could be a very take, interesting setup. Take from you, Ty. Could be a very interesting setup. 
is all I'm saying here for the Pitt uh, Panthers to start five and zero, maybe even six and zero. Yeah, I was looking up the Notre Dame schedule to see if there was any sort of sandwich or snake in the toilet situation with with Pitt, but it's after Florida State and Louisville, which now appear to be pretty easy wins for Notre Dame. Maybe not easy, but you were worried about Louisville after yeah. what Notre Dame looked like against Duke. I don't believe you are going to be as worried. I feel a little bit better game. about that situation. Okay, that's all. Let's talk about Miami, Dan. Miami wins. Okay handily 52 to 10 over florida state uh you know historic notable rivalry usually close it was 38 to 3 at half this game was not competitive uh of note is that mike norvell was not coaching because of a positive covid test but i'm not sure how much difference it would have made like miami was completely dominant both sides of the football here florida state never had a chance yeah, Miami is going as far as Derek King will take them, and maybe to a lesser extent, their discipline on defense because they still need to clean up the penalties. Derek King missed a couple of couple of balls that were there for him for the taking, but that's nitpicking. He ran the ball well. He spread the ball around to receivers really well. Miami got after uh, James Blackman and Tate Rodemaker, Rodemaker and Jordan Travis uh, really, really impressively. Not a big surprise because Florida State's offensive line is just Florida State's offensive line. And for Miami to do what they did to them, and yes, it's year one of Mike Norvell. He wasn't even coaching, blah, blah, blah. You watch Florida State play anywhere, maybe other than their secondary. I really do like their secondary, but there's just not a lot of fight to Florida State right now. And I don't know how at 0-2 with a loss to a still probably pretty rough Georgia Tech team after what we saw yesterday and losing by 40-plus to Miami... I don't know, and I'm, you know, I'm not a, a high-level athlete here, but I don't know what you do if you're a Florida State player in terms of getting refocused to play more games against teams that are in better position to win. I mean, maybe until NC State, and then beyond, like, is Florida State better than Duke? Uh, Florida State better than NC State? They play both of those teams on the road. Well, they I better think, than Louisville? I think Duke is possibly getting worse each game, so maybe better than them but it's it's a real question that i think we need to ask but that game is also early december so that game is not just a matter of who's better or worse but that's a matter of who has more fully given up right by early december yeah very strange to see it's strange to see that helmet and that uniform and that rivalry just turn into dust nothing all right other games here in the acc very quickly we saw both virginia teams in action Thankfully, Virginia Tech was without 23 players and coaches due to coronavirus, including Hendon Hooker, and they still clocked NC State 45 to 24. We had their counterpart, UVA, 38 to 20 over Duke. As I said, Duke may be getting worse. They had seven turnovers in this game, Dan. And interestingly enough, just as a fun little anecdote, I mentioned this to Kate this morning over breakfast. You know, we like to talk about turnover margins a lot. ACC football in your marriage. Try to separate them. You know, but she was actually unfamiliar with that. Duke played football. So, (laughs) okay. There's that. We had the first win of the year for Syracuse, 37 to 20 over Georgia Tech. Nice comeback, though, for Tech. They were down 17 nil in the first quarter. Four picks for Jeff Sims. And, you know, he's a youngster. He's going to get rolling here. 
um, and, and learn that system under Jeff Collins. But I don't know if this is entirely unexpected. Cuse finally got the offense going to win that first game. And Boston College, 24 to 21, Dan. The jerk store called. It almost ran out of time here. <laughs> Boston College. Yeah, I was going to say, they needed every second of this one. Boston College kicks a field goal with about three seconds left to knock off Texas State. I know you like Texas State's quarterback situation, but this is not yeah. the kind of game that uh, that Boston His College Brady lose. McBride. How do you not love that name? It's a great name. Great name. Uh, Phil Dracovic, not a good day through the air. I watched this very quickly this morning. Um, I, win your clunkers. Win your clunkers. That applies to everybody. They needed to come back and win this game. Uh, I'm going to just cut that snippet of show after the first Notre Dame game and talk and use how encouraged you were by Chase Bryce and how mm. Duke's got a nice little quarter. I don't know. If we all have stories, true. Dan. We all have stories. Syracuse's offense and defense playing well enough on the same day. Tommy DeVito was not Tommy DeVito. I just, I like the Syracuse defense. I like I like where they are. And Jeff Sims, nightmare of a day, will get better. Yep. Has shown enough where he is just going to get better. And Jameer Gibbs had a nice day. He is somebody I talked about after their game against, uh, I think it was what, who did they play after Florida State, Georgia Tech, and lose to? But whoever that was, um, oh, UCF. Right. I, UCF. I like him a lot. I'm, I'm excited to, to watch him throughout his career. Speaking of UCF, they win 51-28 over East Carolina. We had Cincinnati, 24, Army 10, BYU, 48, Troy, 7, and Louisiana just living on the edge this year, man. Louisiana. They are. They really are. 20-18 to 18 over Georgia Southern. Yeah. Cincinnati is very much for real to be able to handle and come up. In, there's something we talked about was third downs when this matchup specifically because Army has always been, you know, not always, but these last couple of years, so good at generating third and shorts. And so that was, to me, a big key for Cincinnati. And for them to score like they scored, and Army ended the game 3 of 13 on third down. Cincinnati did a terrific job tackling. I was back and forth with this game, but came away crazy impressed because I think Army is pretty good. And for Cincinnati to hold them down like they did. Excited to see the rest of Cincinnati's schedule, especially to see what they're able to do offensively if they have to keep up with the pop of other teams in the American. Desmond Ritter, baby. Desmond yeah, Ritter. Yeah, okay day. Not amazing, but okay. Yeah, that works. Okay. Yeah. I think that does it for all the action, Dan. Anything else that you want to discuss here? I did uh, make my debut in the oven with pizza. In the oven? That's, in the oven. That's uh, The phrasing was very strange. Um I made my debut putting pizzas in the oven myself. Um, oh, okay. I never really made pizzas myself. I like making Mexican food. I like grilling. I like all sorts of different elements of cooking. Okay. Pizza is something that a lot of people do, but I, I want to do it full bore. I want to do it, you know, fermenting dough for 24, 48, four days, you know, making sourdough starter and turning that into dough. I really want to go for it with pizza. Make my own sauce. The pizza steel is amazing because it's this giant, I don't know how much it weighs. It's heavy. It's like 25 pounds or something like that. And I ordered it online. (laughs) Sorry, Amazon driver. Um, But it conducts heat so well. And so I had a 24 hour dough recipe that I used. So I let that rest for 24 hours and it came out really good. And I'm this is easily going to be my worst bake, and I was happy with it. So 
something that I mentioned that in the newsletter of intent that my winter hobby, because it gets cold here in the greater Chicagoland area, is going to be mastering dough and pizza vis-a-vis. So um, I'm encouraged. And you've mentioned that Mama H makes a good pie. She and does. I'm just yeah. telling you right now. I'm just going to zoom way past her. Whoa. Like I just, I feel very good. You no, know, she, she can you know, hear you right now. She listens to the show. I know she show. can hear me. And I'm positive her pizza is delicious. But what I'm saying is, I don't know if she's doing the R&D. I think she's got a recipe. I think it's great. But I don't know if she's always tweaking. I don't know if she's got like Kevin Steele. You see that? Steele? Pizza Steele? Uh, I don't know if she's got Kevin Steele at halftime elements to her pizza game where she's always tweaking, always changing ratios. I mean, Nick Saban doesn't need level? to tweak a whole lot because he's just. Got... Oh, Nick Saban's tweaked a ton through the. Did he overhaul his offense? But he doesn't four he, years ago. He doesn't have to. He could have won the old way. You didn't I have start to. losing to Ole Miss. Start got a losing streak to Ole Miss going. It sort of wakes you up, doesn't it? <laughs> am I am I the Ole Miss in this situation to Mama H? Am I going to force her to rethink her hydration and fermentation? I don't know. I'm don't not know. sure that there's but that full on commitment to the to the top to bottom process here well i'm i'm al davis baby commitment to excellence but you know as we've seen with the at least year one of a guy like amani diaz um sure devotion to the analytics and that more hardcore nerdy side of the game does not always yield results dan i'm but i'm this is not an analytics thing ty this is execution you need you need dierra king before you start before you start making bank, you can't. Didn't you tell me that Mama talent. H makes pizza? Mama H makes pizza once a year for you. It's a big special occasion. I do want her to make it more often, and I think for about three years running now, we've talked about getting together so that she yeah. can she can teach me how she does it. But uh, we haven't done that yet. She does make it about once a year. Yeah. I'm see. I'm doing one or two pies a week here, Ty. My reps are going to catch up very quickly to Mama H's. You and need so I'm to grow deep in the lab. You need to grow a Mario and Luigi looking mustache. It's the only next move. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't come in that well. I got to be honest. It doesn't come in that impressively. Where it would almost dock me points <laughs> in terms of really committing to the bit. Um, I mean, Ty. If I get to this is this point is ridiculous that I'm about to say, but if I get to a point where I hit a wall dough wise, where I'm happy with my dough, I'm happy with the rise, I'm happy with everything, but I'm thinking it just needs a little something more. I've already looked up portable home flour mills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing it. I'm going to be clear. I'm not going to be milling my own flour, but. If it gets to be like negative 15 in this Chicago is full, for an extended period of time. Full bit commitment right here. Yeah. There are people who do this that will mill their own flour at home. I can't do that. I have access to grocery stores. I have access to different kinds of flour. I can order it online, whatever. But I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm competitive. You're coming you for the say, pizza belt from Mom H. Solid verbal pizza belts. I just, I'm, a, I'm somewhere between a 32 and 33 size-wise ties if you want to get it measured. That's all. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, I would expect to be getting a phone call later this afternoon from Mama H <laughs> after the show drops, and perhaps we'll have to set up some sort of boxing-style uh Maybe she's resting conference. on her laurels, and this just ups, you know, it's a, the rising tide tie. That's huh. all I'm saying. The Maybe unfermented... I'm favor. 
the unfermented Friday orbit coming to a podcast <laughs> near you where we will take a one week, one week only diversion into pizza land. Yeah, right. I'm ready. Thank you to everyone out there for downloading, for listening to the show. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, don't forget to give us a rating. Don't forget to leave a review. Every little bit helps here. We are now fully engaged with the SEC, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, others yet to come. Like I said, it is college football, Royal Rumble style in 2020. Going to do our best to just have fun with it, to go with the flow and keep you all informed. That's all I got. Um, I can we talk dudes? Do you want to play that sound for the first time? Uh Dude Vaughn? Maybe that's his name. Dude Vaughn? Sure. Instead of Deuce Vaughn, it's Dude Vaughn. Osiris Mitchell was just all over the place against the LSU secondary. A shorthanded LSU secondary for sure. Elijah Moore and Kyle Pitts in the same game. I'm including both of them, even though you've gone K-pop or Kyle Driver, or whatever. Those two guys seem like they're ready for the NFL, and they've got a number of games against college secondaries left. Uh, Tristan Ebner for for Baylor had a really nice game out wide, even though it's Kansas. I will include it just because people are pointing it out to me that, I mean, Henry Toto for Tennessee was all over the place, especially in that first half for the Vols. So let's look at the bright spot there. Josh Moore, we mentioned for Texas, you know, a bright spot, but not necessarily dominating out wide yet, but has the potential. We'll see. We'll see. Um I'd say Max Duggan coming back, looking like he did. Yeah. Dude in a losing effort. Hell yeah. How about that? Uh, Jalen Waddell was unsurprisingly fantastic, but he has dude bona fides. But as like perhaps the guy out wide now with with Henry Ruggs um, gone and with uh, Jerry Judy gone. Sorry, his name. There's just so many of them. They slip my mind sometimes. Um, Skylar Thompson was a full on dude. Um, Alan Bowman had dude qualities. British comedy legend. British comedy legend, Alan Bowman. There's, there were dudes all across college football, but really uh, to see what KJ Costello was able to do coming back from injury, going into Death Valley and looking so comfortable. I just, him him and dude Vaughn to me stood out yesterday. So those are your dudes. We are going to hopefully have more teams playing, more dudes, exciting times at the end of our Sunday shows, other than me declaring myself pizza dude of the show. For that guy over there, my good friend, Dan Rubenstein, for myself, Ty Hildebrandt. Thanks again for downloading, for listening. We will talk to you all on Wednesday. In the meantime, stay solid. Peace.